This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Remarkable Results Radio, Carm Capriato, how are you? We're uh, in Lackawanna, New York. We're at a Transformers peer review group. And uh, with me is Phil Carpenter from Avalon Motorsports and Urban Auto Care out in Denver, Colorado. Five stores and the sixth soon to be coming. We all hope that's going to work out. Hi, Phil. How's it going? It's great. Phil's been on before, and uh, we sure appreciate you. The COO, general manager, what's your real official title? Uh, Director of Operations. Director of Operations out at the Avalon. How many people you got? We have about 35. Wow. How many reports? Six. Six? Is that the right number? I think so. Seven? Can you do seven? New store coming up? Depends on who the seven are. (laughs) Could be three. Depends on who it is. Do the store managers report to you or do you have another layer? We do have another layer. Tom is our district manager and director of team development. Got it. So the store managers report to him. And under you is him? Is him. And then I also have a operations coordinator. It helps with all kinds of different things like sure. HR and payroll yeah. and all that. And then I fill in for Tom sometimes if he's covering for a store or something like that. So we work in tandem. A company like yours would never be shorthanded, would it? <laughs> I wish. That's the pie in the sky idea, right? No, we've definitely been shorthanded. We just currently need a technician right now. And we're also staffing up for that additional location you're referring to. How long does it take to find a good technician? A good technician, typically our average is about three months. Can go a little longer than that. Sometimes you get lucky and it's less than that. You've had a established line of communication with somebody that maybe you talked to three, four years ago and you're following back up with them. Sometimes we get lucky in that area where the timeline gets moved up a little bit faster. You're always advertising then, right? Yeah. We are constantly recruiting for technicians and advisors. We cycle a manager ad every so often, but it definitely, I feel like it helps with our current employees where it's, they know it's a constant thing. We make sure they understand that it's, they are valuable and it's hard for them to be replaced. So we have to constantly be out there recruiting. You know, if your car breaks down, where do you take it? To your locally trusted independent repair shop. What if your shop cannot access the vehicle data and only the manufacturer has access? But who owns the data? You, the vehicle owner, or the manufacturer? Well, join the fight to help support Right to Repair by completing the form at autocareadvocacy.org slash NAPA, which sends a letter to your member of Congress today. Right to repair legislation protects your access to vehicle data and scan tools. This is critically important for the automotive, heavy-duty paint and body industries. What if I was a, you know, a pretty decent superstar technician and I got a job offer and it's, you know, you guys have treated me so well, you know, you're paying me well, but this thing is something I can't walk away from. And because you're advertising all the time, I don't feel so bad to want to leave because who knows, I'll find somebody in a week. Sure. Could that go against you because you advertise all the time? I think if we weren't more vocal about it, because not only do you have to make sure they understand why you have it out there, but also understand that, especially if you have the dollar amount on your ad, you better not be advertising a higher dollar amount for your new technicians than your current technicians are already getting paid. So you aren't very communicative about that and make sure that they understand the why behind it. Yeah, it could cause some pretty big rifts. Because you're sending a message. What do you use? You told me Indeed? Yeah, Indeed has been our best success for technicians. Of course, perfect world. You're getting a lot of referrals, but thankfully we are pretty good on retention for technicians. So a lot of times they've been with us. We've already kind of gone through the referral list. 
when you have a tech that's been with you for nine, 10 years, their referral list is kind of gone at that point because they weren't recently coming from a dealership. You guys are a great company. Brian Sump is your owner. He's been on the show before. Great guy. He speaks, you know, just about everywhere that there's a conference. Yeah. You guys have probably have a tried and true process to bring on people and, you know, the interviewing yeah. process. You've told me a little bit about it. It's quite layered. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So first and foremost, um, when we see a resume that we feel like there's some potential there, we reach out to them and find out if there's a good time for them to just tell them, hey, we would love to have a conversation with you. We do use other words other than interview. A lot of times it's just like, hey, we just want to have a conversation. It's less intimidating. We also schedule it as a video interview and it'll be 30 to, I think the longest has been like an hour and a half. That would be more like a manager level. So tell me something. You don't want them to come in. You want them to sit at home and be on a Zoom call. Really? How many say, I don't have a camera on my laptop or I'd rather come in. Do you get any people pushback on that? Not too much pushback. It's a Google Meet. So we can send it to their phone. They can download it. Everybody's got a phone. Okay, cool. So not going to go past that. And so the first interview is a face-to-face video. And what's the reason of not inviting them in? Some of it's a convenience and also speed of being able to make it happen. It can be just like you're saying, we post an ad, it sends a message. It also sends a message if you continue, like you got three, four, five, seven candidates coming through the doors of the shop to everybody that's in there. It's like, oh, who's this lady? Who's this guy? Versus let's get through that first layer and make sure we understand the does the culture side of it line up? Does the mission, vision, value type stuff line up? That's the goal of that first one. Makes all kind of sense. Keep them out of the building until you get that right. narrowed down. Yeah, I think it can be very depleting if you have numerous people come through and then they're like, okay, maybe you made three, four offers and they didn't get accepted. Well, man, why aren't they accepting? Or man, we got how many more people coming through the door versus... Once they know that person comes through the door, like they've already been vetted. It's like a mill. You don't want to create the look of a revolving situation. Uh, Wow. Brilliant. Think there. All right. What happens next? You've done the video. What's next? Then we invite them. We tell them we do record it. So typically it'll either be Brian or Tom will do that initial video interview. And then they'll share it with myself. The three of us, basically. We'll make sure all three of us have seen it. If they didn't participate, they're watching that and say, hey, we're going to review this with the leadership team. If it's for a specific store, or then we'll share it with that manager. If we're not sure what store it is, it'll just stay with the leadership team. And then, hey, anybody see any red flags, any reason not to proceed? Hey, well, we're going to review this. We're going to reach back out to you and you pick the hours. Typically, we try to keep it 24. You got to move quick. You have somebody that's ambitious, that's self-driven, all that kind of stuff. They're not going to sit around and take weeks and weeks to go find a job. They're trying to find something now. Say you have three that creamed it to a second interview and you offer them a chance to come back. You, like you say, 24 hours. What's the likelihood that somebody can't make your time frame? Well, let me clarify. So we will reach back out to them in that 24 hour period to then schedule the in-person so the in-person may be 48 hours after the video interview, okay. maybe right. a week afterwards. Okay. okay. But we do also try to make that quickly because sometimes you'll get the pushback and it'll say, I got to get off work or whatever. Absolutely. Totally respect that. We recognize your loyalty. You don't want to leave your team in a 
your current team in a bad situation by giving them short notice. However, if you're truly looking for that next step, I think it's worth it for you to try to get some time off to invest that time to see if this is the right opportunity for you. 24 hours to get the second. 24 hours to then schedule the second. To schedule, right. Yeah. Okay. And then like 48 to a week. We really don't like going much longer than that unless they're out of state. So, so 24 hours to schedule an opening between 48 and a week to accommodate their schedule. Sure. What you guys can do. And that is a face-to-face. Does that happen at the business? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that happens at the business. And then we can preface the team that is coming in. Like, hey, a lot of times we'll do the interviews at Avalon because there's a bigger space there. They've kind of gotten used to like, hey, we might be interviewing you them here at Avalon, but they're actually for another store. Sure. And then that's also another kind of layer to say like, hey, we get them in person and something comes out and it's like, oh, we're not going to proceed on this. We're not going to take them to that next store versus we love this. Hey, we want to proceed. Do you have some extra time? We're going to go see one of these other locations. And it's typically the one we foresee them most likely being placed into. So after the second, you're continuing to narrow down. Is it, Do you have a democratic style vote based on what you see? And is there a standard set of questions? Do you go to dinner somewhere along this process? No, it's pretty typical. Like somewhere earliest is around 9 a.m. Latest is probably 3.30 or 4. We do try to be flexible in that where... I mean, you're trying to go off their schedule and then maybe they're still employed somewhere. We do try to be pretty flexible with that, but it's usually about an hour and a half, hour to hour and a half there at that first location. And then, of course, if we go visit another store, add another 45 minutes or so. And then at that point, we will either make an offer right there at the end of that meeting or we will say, hey, we're going to discuss this and we'll get back to you again. We'll tell them like 24 hours or less. We're going to reach back out to you and make formal offer, uh, that type of thing. No assessments? Not typically at that time. No. It's not just about speed of getting them in and making that connection and all of that, but it's showing them your the sense of urgency, not in a, I'm desperate to hire you, but a sense of urgency of, I think you're really, really good and I'm going to move quickly and I'm going to show you that I'm serious. So I'm willing to do these two interviews. I'm going to go ahead and make you an offer. We're still going to go ahead and do some other assessments. We do like EQ, emotional intelligence test. We do a high fi which is like strengths finder. And then we'll do a disc profile as well. And we have a pretty good idea of what those are going to come back like already. But it's just kind of a reaffirming of things. Before they accept your offer, these assessments have been done? No, we would go ahead and make that offer. Make uh, the offer and they accept it. And yep. then you go for the evaluation? Yep. So after the second interview, the one that's in person, we'll say, hey, 24 hours, we'll reach back out to you, set up a time, and we'll actually have like an eight and a half by 11 cardstock formal offer sheet showing all the benefits, what their pay is, and all that. I'll print it out on a nice like, hey, congratulations, uh, you've been offering a position. And we go through that whole thing, make sure they don't have any other questions about it. And just say, and just understand that all of this is assuming we've loved the interviews with you. This is all assuming we will have some assessments for you. We're also going to go through some references as well. But this is all assuming that those are going to go well. I have not had one where we made an offer and then we saw something on an assessment that was like, whoa, no, like red flag stop. Got it. So it does seem a little bit backwards. 
But the idea is, let's show you I'm serious about getting you on board. I'm sure let's get through the pay conversation because that's a huge thing. Let's be real about this. And now, okay, I got to go through this assessment. I got to go through this, that, and the other thing. If you put too much on the front side before they make the offer, it's like, man, how many things I got to go through to, to get on board with this? Yeah, 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 I hear you. Because you already have the video one and then the second one, sometimes people are like, man, this is way too much. I'm like, I'm not about this. Great. Well, appreciate your time and we'll move on. You're not that serious. You don't have the value in your mind of, I need to make sure this is a great fit for me for long term. If that's not at the forefront of their mind, they're not going to be willing to go through our process. So it filters out a lot of people that way. And sometimes it can be frustrating. You're not getting as many people in person or whatever. But I mean, from the time I would have to look up and see, I love actual data instead of made up statistics, but I know it's a fairly high percentage for people that get to that interview in person to people accepting is pretty high. Versus like if it's just a video interview, there's a lot of those, they get the video interview and that's kind of as far as it gets. Knapp is proud to have America's largest network of parts and care with nearly 6,000 auto parts stores and over 18,000 auto care centers. In that spirit, the Knapp Auto Parts and Auto Care logos have a new look, carefully designed to be visually alike. This will further cement Napa as the place to go for consumers when in need of vehicle maintenance. Now, did you know Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category? These ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit to the repair facility. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit from their continued success. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing by promoting your local repair facility with targeted media in local markets and in proven channels, allowing you to compete with a national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the nationally recognized Napa brand using the Pro Image Auto Care program. Also, partnering with Napa SmartSign, now it educates your clients with engaging videos that tell the why behind a needed repair or service. You also get access to editable digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Napa also offers a credit solution to customers with Napa Easy Pay Consumer Financing with your business name embossed on the credit card. Napa also gives you an online presence when the consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online using the Auto Care Locator tool, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. From parts to care, from coast to coast, we are one Napa. Now, if you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the latest national marketing campaign, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store or sales rep. Are the pay discussions tough? They are HR compliance and things that you can and can't ask. Like, I can't ask you, what were you making? However, I can ask, what do you expect to make in this position based on your experience? And sometimes you might get somebody that's going to shoot high. (laughs) That's always a risk. But if they're somewhere in the ballpark, then you know you got somewhere to go. If they come off right off the bat with this huge high number, it's pretty clear that it's not going to work out. Ever breach the topic you know are you taking this back so you can get a raise at your place Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we've asked that direct question. Really? Say, hey, where you're currently at, are you truly looking for something else? Or are you just looking for a way to get a raise there? Or, or have you, that's a easier, less direct way to ask is, have you already talked to your employer about your earnings to see if they did that? Because you want to know, I want that if they're upset with something and they're thinking about leaving, whether it's they're upset with coworker or working situation or their pay, I want them to come to me multiple times, ideally. I mean, I should fix it first time, but to not be so quick to jump on Indeed and start looking for the next thing. So I can kind of find out some about their character and how loyal they are by how they answer those questions. One of the questions could be, because I'm kind of trying to get into your mind on this, have you maxed your earnings? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a great one. Have you maxed your earnings? Yeah, because one thing we like to hear, especially on our advisor side, is like, People feeling like they want to grow and get better, not necessarily with just pay or title, but just like, I want to hone my craft and I feel like I don't have that opportunity where I'm at. That's something that we really like to hear in those interviews because it's, you see somebody that's a constant learner. This is uh, interesting. It's unique. Ever any ghosters? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ghosts are real. I can't even believe it. Not you, Phil. Yeah. Ghosts are real, at least in this case. Yeah, it's crazy. You'd think that you go through that much process. And then, I mean, we've had times where you go to make the offer and they're like, okay, yeah, let me think about it. And you've already had the video interview. You had the in-person interview. You met them again to give them the offer sheet. And then all of a sudden, just crickets. I did have two people that, one, I turned down a technician. He just wasn't experienced enough for what we were looking for at the time, but I still wanted to interview him. And then, so we declined to him, but I said, Hey, I like, if I have an opening for a technician spot with your experience, you're going to be the absolute first call. Is it okay if I reach out to you in a month or so and just check in? Like, yeah, no problem. Right at a month, said my Google email snooze for 30 days. All right. Pops up, text so and so. Hey, how's it going? I'm just checking on you. See how are things? Nothing. He's doing it to me. He was very appreciative, very cordial, like the most pleasant. I'm not going to hire you conversation I've ever had. I'm like, man, why did you do that to me? So I was like, I'm going to try one more time. So I waited a whole nother week. I was like, hey, did you get my text? If you're not interested, that's totally fine. Just let me know. So I wasn't accusatory. I just, hey, maybe you got lost in translation somewhere. And he's like, oh my gosh, yes, it did get lost in my text. I'm so sorry. Thanks for checking in. I'm enjoying where I'm at. But thank you so much. And I was like, okay, awesome. Appreciate that. If anything changes, just let me know. Phil Carpenter, uh, Avalon and Urban Auto Care. Interesting that you said in the beginning, I'll send them an email. And then you said text. Mm -hmm. What's working better? Text for sure. See? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that people just don't read emails anymore. Yeah. And I would say that even through the initial contact as well, like we'll try it through Indeed. But if it's somebody that's like, we really want this person, we're going to text them and email them. Because it just, it can get lost in the email box a lot easier than it gets lost in the text. What's next after, I mean, who would have thought years ago we would say email doesn't work anymore yeah. and it's all about text. Is there something that will replace text? Any ideas? A hologram. A hologram. So my phone is sitting here flat on the table and all of a sudden, right. still would pop up. Yeah, Star Wars. Obi-Wan wants to. Yeah, the, Obi- the Obi-Wan <laughs> hologram. <laughs> oh my. Or maybe it like. I don't know, it zaps your wrist or something. I don't know. I mean, people are really good at ignoring things. So 
we'll find a way to ignore whatever it is. Golly, I, I was watching a program on AI the other day. Sorry for this little left into sure. the weeds. And they said that there's an AI program out there that if you put your face up, 62% of the time they can tell you what your political affiliation is by how you look. Wow. Isn't that judging a book by its cover? Yes, exactly right. And I thought, oh, here we go. Survey after survey after survey about all this new stuff coming out. Yeah. And it's almost like there's just too damn much incoming. Yeah. On the AI topic and interviews, we saw an article about like having AI write like your cover letter. It was spot on. I mean, you could tell like little nuances that look a little robotic, but. Yeah, but you you wouldn't take that for face value. You would. If you went to AI and you got it and you put it into the into your word processor or your right. Google Doc or wherever, mm-hmm. you're still going to put Bill Touch on that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, if I was using, yeah, of course. But if I, just on the receiving end, so say we see this like gorgeous cover letter, maybe somebody use chat oh. GPT or something to write it. Oh. But then, I mean, through a more, if you just trusted a, a resume and a cover letter and you got real excited because you've been desperate because you haven't had a tech for three months. You're like, oh, just hire that guy. Then you're going to figure out later that there's no way he wrote that cover letter. But if you have a more detailed layered interview process, you're going to find out he doesn't talk anything like that cover. In the first 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he used $20 words and he's now in the interview with right. $2 words. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I love the idea of printing the offer on cardstock. It's brilliant. It's an extra trip. You got to send the PDF to FedEx Kinko's, go pick it up and all that. And then we actually print two copies. So we'll, one of them they keep, one of them we keep making it real. Hey, you accept? Awesome. I'm going to sign this right now. This is real. And then same thing, you're accepting that letter and they give it back to us. It avoids that like... I mean, I had early in my career was, hey, you're going to make this much money. And then I show up to do it. And they're like, that's not what I said. This avoids any of that. This is, I'm putting paper to what I'm telling you right now. And this is, my word is my bond, but here's my signature. Cause you know, we did just meet. So I think of the word substance. It's tangible. Yeah. And it's not just a flimsy, you know, 20 pound piece of paper. By the way, go buy just a ream of card stock and put it in one of your local prayer. Well, we didn't invest much into our printers because <laughs> we're a paperless operation. So uh, smart. I our printers it. could print it, but it just wouldn't look right. It doesn't look good. Yeah. yeah, 100 pounds. Stock. See, I, I do print card stock on my, la- I have a laser printer. See that? Look at Those are cards. Nice. Whoa, nice. Well, anyway, enough about me. So you hire the individual, maybe you get a ghosting or two and they come in. What's the orientation process? Sure. So we give them the offer of whether they want to see the handbook ahead of time and then like before their first start date say hey we can cover this on the first day if you want to take a look at it sooner you can email that over to you and then we do have videos uh, that accompany the handbook so glance through the handbook but if you have any questions on any of that stuff we do have a video from brian the owner through trainual and everything and then it kind of goes more in detail he's not like sitting there reading it word for word he's just explaining more of the why behind what's in there So a lot of times you can kind of tell like how excited and how amped somebody is to start if they're like, yeah, yeah, send it all to me or yeah, let's deal with it on the first day. Like, okay, well, (laughs) it just starts to show you things. And then same thing, we do have a lot of videos built out for service advisors and phone handling. Same thing we offer if they want to take a look at those, they're welcome to, but it's not mandatory. 
And it, we just sell it as, hey, do you want to be kind of going through a bunch of paperwork and like little stuff on their first day? Or do you want to try to more hit the ground running? And a lot of times they do opt to take a look at that ahead of time. Phil, I've heard other shop owners say that a critical piece of getting the right candidate to come to work for them would be the buy-in from the spouse and a dinner. I haven't heard anything about that. I mean, you don't go to dinner, but do you ever have a chance to uh, talk to the spouse? We haven't, but it's a great idea. I absolutely like it. We have done that on the acquisition side. So if we're acquiring a, a shop that we go to dinner with their significant other, and same thing, just trying to answer questions and all that. So I don't think it's a bad idea at all. But it slows the process. It does slow the process. I think we have a lot of layers already. So it would, I'd have to kind of think through that and think, is there some, is that one too many layers for us or is it worth removing one of the layers and replacing it with that? This is the way it is. Bing, bam, boom, boom. And then, you know, we get close enough to the bam, we got yeah. ourselves a higher. You were saying before we turned the mics on about, Two weeks, three weeks, and then three to four months. The two-week hire was to replace a... Typically, service advisor. I can get a pretty high-quality service advisor candidate in about a two, three-week timeline, at least to have an agreement. Okay. Of course, maybe we want to let them honor if they want to put in a two-week notice. We don't hold that against anybody. We would want the same respect. So it can be more like a month to five weeks for the actual replacement. And then a manager... We've actually had pretty good success on the manager side, and that's probably more of a month process. And those, we do spend a little bit more time on the video, a little bit more time in person. If we're trying to get like more conviction or reassurance before we make the offer, sometimes with managers, we will have them do the assessments ahead of time. It just depends on what we feel that timeline is. If they're okay at where job they're at, they're still employed. They're like, hey, I, I want to make a move in the next one to three months. Okay, are you looking at any other shops or have you applied anywhere else to try to feel out like what's the sense of urgency here? Because there's a difference between sense of urgency and taking something serious and being desperate. Remind ourselves and each other, we will not make desperation higher. Don't lower your standards just because you're in a really bad spot. So regarding text, the three to four month window that you feel it requires to advertise and recruit, which is why you're always recruiting. Your people understand that you're always going to run an ad for a lot of reasons. Number one, you're growing. Yep. You never know when the next deal is going to come up. So you constantly have to be finding opportunity uh, amongst uh, all the candidates inside of Denver. But at a three or four month window, it almost seems like you're always shorthanded somebody. Is that a truism? It can feel that way sometimes. Or you get to a spot where you're like, we're fully staffed. Perfect. And then something, find, find something's the, coming. Somebody gets a uh, bunch of Bitcoin and they, <laughs> they retire. Uh, that's a real story. And then we also had one, like we had him for about three weeks and then put in his two weeks notice. Doing great. His girlfriend got called in. She was working remote and they said, hey, we need you to work in person now. Had to move across the country. And he's like, I'm going with her. And so it's like, ah, we just got this guy and off he goes. Nothing you can do about it. So what other reasons do people leave? We had one leave for burnout. I mean, we had some struggles in that store and it just wore on him a bit. I've talked to him a couple of times since he left. Still good friends with him. Where did he go? Another shop. 
Okay. And I know the owner there. He called me. It was all good. Like, yeah. And I just visited him last week. He actually has two of our former employees. They're both happy and we are in a better situation as well. So like, it's fine. They both needed a fresh start, a little bit different environment where I think just being a little bit more free to run things the way they want to run it on a daily basis versus being told more like, hey, this is how we want to do it. Because when you have five locations, there's a constant focus of giving autonomy to your people, but also trying to deliver a consistent product. You don't want robots. You want people that are bought in and take ownership of their store, but you also need it. So if a customer moves from one side of town to the other and they come into Urban Auto Care, they know they're going to get that same level of service and it's going to be a consistent thing, even though they're working with completely different people. Do your people get a twice a year review, an official sit down? We do an official sit down once a year, but that's more because we do monthly one-on-ones. So the manager will do monthly one-on-one with each team member. And then I started with our managers to do monthly one-on-one with them. Highly documented? Yes. Okay. They weren't initially. They were a lot more casual to begin with. But then I was like, hey, we really need to write this down so that the next one we can review. Hey, what did we talk about last time? What were we working on? Where are we at with that? Is like, it, do we see progress? Patterns or progress. Yep. Yeah, I got it. Do you ever approach an acquisition and then not do the final deal because you didn't think the culture of the people were right? I don't think it's gotten that far. Okay, you found that up front before you... Yeah. yeah. So in the case, the one we're under contract for, there's actually going to be zero employees available. It was down to basically two and a half employees. One retired. The other one found out that that was going to get sold at some point soon and decided to move on to another opportunity. We're still trying to talk to him to see if we can get him in to meet our team and see what he might be missing out on. Previous ones, we treat it like these are slightly more vetted candidates than but you're still interviewing for a job. Got it. So people that are leaving the, maybe not only you, but leaving the industry, do you hear anything about any scuttlebutt, any people among your peers saying, yeah, I just lost somebody and he went to work on forklifts. I just lost somebody. They went to work on HVAC. Have you heard any of that? Not a whole lot. Typically, the ones that I've heard, we lost a technician for use becoming a pilot. It came out on a, we do some goal boards that we borrowed that idea from AutoStream, David Asquith. Yeah. In the group. yeah. And came out on a goal board. Hey, I want to be a pilot. I'm getting my pilot's license, all that. And there's two things you can do with that. You can think, well, his time's limited and I'm going to stop investing in this guy or I'm going to try to make it difficult for them to pursue their actual dream that's not here. Or you can say, hey, man, what do you need for that? And he's like, oh, I really need a little bit more flexible schedule. What does that look like? Can we do that? Yes. Yeah, we can do that. And eventually he left and he's a lot closer to his pilot's license now than he was and celebrate that with him. But then he's at least happy while he's with you and he, Happy employees do a lot better job than ones that you're trying to, to stop their dreams. It's the exact right thing to say. Yeah. Wow. We're here for a peer review. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had one? I have. Yeah, it's been about four or five years probably. Yeah. yeah. What'd you learn from it? A lot. Cool. It's confidential. I get that. You walked around to uh, the Scruggs locations here. Did you anything to take away for you? 
Yeah, I think they do a really good job on a lot of things. I think they're focusing a lot on their employees to make sure that they're taken good care of and they truly care about their people. I think sometimes that we had a similar situation where I felt like we were so focused on taking care of our people that we our accountability wasn't quite there. And so you were loose? I wouldn't say loose. Easy. Too forgiving. Okay. All right. Giving too much grace. Whereas I'm going to do a lot of these things and we're going to create a really good environment for you. But I need you to return that with actual performance because it it doesn't just because you're trying to hold the line on margins or hold the line on expectations doesn't mean it's not a good environment or doesn't mean that you're not taking care of your employees. I want to take even better care of you, but I can't if I don't get this profit or get these sales or whatever. So that was one thing that came out was sales solves a lot of problems, <laughs> which yes, I mean, it does. it's the fuel that keeps everything going. But of course, Ed, you can't do it without your people. Every interview that I've ever done, I listen so intently to, I call them cherries that fall off the tree, ripe cherries that fall off the tree. Mm-hmm. And I just got one from you just a second ago. Okay. Too much grace. I just love that. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all guilty of being lenient or forgiving or forgetting. It's the long weekend. They've had a couple of issues at home. And there's always a reason why we give too much grace. Right. And then when the tough love period comes, it's so difficult to build up the courage to go out and have that because you were the guilty party of having too much grace. Right. Right. And then you got to bring that person back, if you will, into center. And those are tough conversations to have. So I just love your point. Be careful of the grace that you allow your people to have because you're still running a business. Right. Yeah, there's grace and there's excuses. And then there's weathering a storm through, say, an employee's going through something difficult in life. And you're trying to be there for them. You're trying to walk through them through that storm with them. But then you're waiting for the storm to break and the sun to come out. And then you see another storm and another storm and another storm. And then you start to wonder, is that person just a lightning rod? That's like, it just comes to them all the time. And am I now shifting my business into a charity? And that's a difficult slippery slope as well. I would say a general assumption or a general statement for our industry is most of the people that are like started these businesses, they care about people. They got into it because they're problem solvers. They want to fix things. They want to help people with their cars. And so you also then want to help your people that are a technician or advisor, whatever their position is. You're in the business of helping people. And then we also think we can fix everything. So let's not replace that. Let's fix that. Right. And we sometimes convince ourselves like, oh, yeah, like I could fix that person. I could get through that with them. So I think. We hang on to our people maybe a little bit longer than we should. And I think we tell ourselves that every time we finally let someone go and you see how things turn around and get better after they're gone or you get a replacement. Like that's a person. It's still like, man, this is hard. Like I'm telling them you can't come to the job that you want to come to. Even if they're not doing good, they don't, they don't show up to want to do a bad job. Like people don't get out of bed and be like, yeah, I really want to do a bad job today. That's not how people, maybe 5% of the people do that out there, but they're not in our company. You're wise beyond your years. You're only what, 25? Oh, thank you. I just turned 40. 30s, I think I call it the lost decade. uh, What were you doing? 
Well, having kids. Okay. My five-year-old son was singing happy birthday to me. And he's, you do the one, are you one? Are you two? Are you three? And he counts up, are you 28? Are you 29? 40. (laughs) And I'm like. He jumped up? Yeah, he skipped all the 30s. I'm like, that's exactly how it felt. Oh, my. It was just a good good laugh. Wisdom. jumped. I love it. That's a great story. (laughs) You know, in our household, Tracy, we never did that. Are you one? Are you two? Are you three? We never did that. We just ate the cake. Yeah. Yeah. We did it one time for my grandma. She made it to 99. So. No. 99 bottles of beer on the wall. She lived around here, actually. She lived in Jamestown. No kidding. Yeah. Of course, we know Jamestown. Comedy Center and the Lucille Ball Hall of Fame or whatever. Down in Jamestown. Yep. Tracy's getting married at the other end of the lake in Chautauqua. Nice. So, yeah. Phil Carpenter, Avalon Motorsports, Urban Auto Care out of Denver. Five stores, soon to become six. Yep. Great, brilliant wisdom. Thank you for sharing your entire recruitment story. Thank you. And now, I know you've learned something. You have. Positive you did. Now, go get it done. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 